Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Still off air. Still off air, still using our phones. Kirsten's still uh, preparing to... um, What am I talking about? Well, we were going to risk recording properly on equipment that's not really working but then we're way. scared that if, if the radio station comes back alive it may activate this studio and then the, imagine that the station's off air and, and then quite a popular station for people that aren't in the country probably the highest rating yeah almost in the country yes yeah. it is yeah and then all of a sudden you hear wanking man man <laughs> uh, oh that i like tea with vanilla in it yeah my dog's not well yeah all of that all stuff of that. ding ding the Just cherry bell going off correct uh. so here we are <laughs> so here we are on the all phones right. well i'm going to jump straight into it go for it uh we had a message from matthew hey ladies love the podcast and the length mm. 40 40 uh, 40-ish minutes Rocks. Oh, okay. So Matthew's specifying how much. The 45 minutes. Anything over 40, we've lost him, I reckon. Okay. Uh, when we get less than that, I feel cheated. No, oh. not more than 30-minute ones, please. 40-ish ones only. Oh. Matthew, we have no uh, sense at all of how long we're going. We just wait until we see Kirsten sort of staring yeah. out the window. Well, let's aim for 40-ish. Okay. Uh Matthew says, Chanel, I love it when you use your reporter voice when oh. it's the comedic bit. Yes. It's nice. When yeah. I switch into reporter. Uh, mm. And Didi, OMG, love it when you come out with an out there story like your walks of almost seeing a body. I do, I do, because I have almost seen bodies. You're on high alert constantly for a bod. Mm. You haven't been of late though, I think. Well, it's funny. One came into my head, and I—I I, I thought you were going to say into my house because <laughs> you just don't know no, with Dee that that could happen. I um, there's a there was a murder that was very close to me. Oh, what? Very close. Hold on. As in, two children who went to primary school with my children were murdered. But I haven't. No, but it's too close to home. Okay, okay, hold on. Mm. But it sounds like we're setting this moment up, but we are not. Thank you, Kirsten. Under no circumstances are we setting this moment up so that you can... But come but on! I don't, yeah, what but episode I, are we? Okay, sixty-six. 66. Well, I'll tell you why. This now. You don't okay. have to tell us the exact story. No, but no, no, I can. I won't tell you the point, story. Did you yes. not want to say this? No, because I didn't see the dead bodies. But I'll tell you why. I'm not, I'm not going to tell it. I'm not going to. Okay, we haven't seen any of the dead bodies that we do the stories mm, about. No, but it was. Okay. It's too close. Tell to... Tell what you feel comfortable, and it's children, so I understand. Yes, they were too beautiful young boys at primary school Mm -hmm. with my children and their mother killed them. Their father came home from work, found his wife walking around the house. She had scratches and things Mm. on her and the two boys had been smothered. She has been locked up in a mental institution. Mm. Is this high profile? He has, oh, it was about probably, I would say 15, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, in happened in Melbourne, um, suburb of Melbourne. He has moved on with his life. Right. Um, incredibly were, difficult to do. Yes, incredibly. And I know him reasonably well, see him at sort of functions with friends and stuff, so mm. it's too close. But I will never forget coming into – so it happened in the evening. I didn't hear about it in the evening. Mm-hmm. And 
when I got into work at the radio station that morning, usually the newspapers were laid out on the desk in the sure. studio. I walked into the studio and there were the oh, no. faces of the boys oh. from the primary school, me not knowing what the story is, staring up at me and I'm thinking what has happened and then started to read the story and just no, no, no. And, this, and also because it was people that I knew and it was very sad and there was, you know, my kids released balloons at their school and the kids are all crying and there was a little memorial set up in the corner of the classroom and they had to remove all these things because it was just upsetting the kids mm. too much. But the, the thing that stuck with me was that there was a group of mums who would go and do a little walk after they dropped the kids off at school and that usually the mother who did the murder... Mm. Um, I don't know why I'm protecting her. Donna Fitch, it's her name, because um, she doesn't deserve protection. They had apparently stopped at her house that morning mm. and and it, at that time it would have been when she was either doing it or about to do it and knocked on her door and I don't know whether she came to the door or whether she didn't answer the door and they just kept going on the walk um. and didn't take her with us. And those mothers... I think had a really hard time thinking. Of course, what you was know, happening in that house? Persisted when I exactly. Yeah. If if we if we waited, could we have known or stopped or? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's one that close to home for me. That's not my story. My story, um, Matthew suggested. Uh, I would love to hear you do a story on the female serial killer Clementine Barnaby. Also, I've seen four dead bodies. I will email you and explain as one was very bloody. Sorry? Matthew, where's that email? Sorry? Four? God, I get tell off for nearly seeing four? dead bodies. Jesus, Matthew. That four is quite up there. That's a lot. Tell us about them. All right, so I have had a look uh, for a little bit more on Clementine Barnabay, and I'm assuming I'm pronouncing it correctly. I found a lot of this information on a website called mentalfloss.com. Mm. Which was interesting, but I don't know how trustworthy. But it's, I did look at a couple of others and it all okay. pans out. Okay, sure. so we're going way, way back to November 1909. A woman named Edna Opelousas and her three children were killed in Rain, Louisiana. And just by coincidence, the belt I'm wearing right now, made of uh, alligator skin, is in fact from Louisiana. Louisiana. That's right. In January 1911, police in West Crowley in Louisiana were called to 605 Western Avenue and there they found a man named Walter Byers, his wife and their son all lying in bed with their skulls split open. Poor. The bed was drenched in blood and there were bloody footprints across the floor. The doors were locked Mm. and the killer had come in through a window. There was a bucket of blood in one corner and at the head of the bed there was an axe that was covered in blood. Ooh. So the newspapers at the time called it the most brutal history in the history, uh, sorry, brutal murder in the history of this section. Four weeks later, on February 25th, four members of the Andrus family in Lafayette in Louisiana were also murdered with an axe. So police began to suspect that the killings were the work of what they called the same terrible monster. I thought you were going to say police began to suspect there was an axe killer on the loose. <laughs> yes. There certainly was. <laughs> A bit slow on the uptake. A month later, San Antonio, Texas, which is not that far away, uh, Alfred and Elizabeth Cassaway were murdered with an axe along with their three children. Police got a call from a woman about her boyfriend 
because she'd had a fight with him and she told police that she suspected he was involved. Mm. His name was Raymond Barnabé. He was a petty criminal and a sharecropper from Lafayette who lived in the back part of town, which, you know, is not the fancy part of town. Uh, Raymond was charged and he was sent to trial in October 1911. He had two teenage children called Zephyrin mm-hmm. and Clementine Barnabé mm-hmm. and they both testified against their own father. Right. Clementine uh, got up in the court and she said that her dad had come home one night with blood on his clothes and she said that he threatened the family and Zephyrin, her teenage brother, confirmed the story. He also said that their dad bragged that he had killed the whole damn Andros family. Oh. And both of the children said that they feared for their lives if their father was free. So Raymond was locked up in jail and while he was there, there was another murder. Oh, that'll do it. This one was on November 26, 1911. Norbert Randall, his wife, three children and nephew were all hacked to death with an axe in Lafayette. And there was something new this time. Mm. Norbert, the father, had been shot in the head. So the killer was still on the loose. But now he's got a gun. Yeah, or there's a copycat. Right. Exactly, and they're armed. January 1912, three more families were murdered. I'm not sure what the cops are doing. Not much. Nothing. Uh, The third of these murders, Felix Broussard and his wife and their three children were killed in Lake Charles, Louisiana. The killer or killers splayed the victim's hands apart with pieces of wood and wrote a message on the wall. Some say that it was written in blood. I'm going to say it probably was. What else? Was it going to be a pen with you? No. What will I use to write with? There's something liquid. Were there pens in that time? Huh. Quill? Oh. Don't know. Uh, the <laughs> message on the wall said, When he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble, which is a version of Psalm 9.12 in the King James Bible. Never mm. written the, written or read or anything that bibble myself. Don't read it. Don't know if that's true Neither. or not. I don't know. The message was signed, Human 5. So police at this point thought that they were hunting a group of five murderers and they dubbed them the Human Five Gang. Mm. Uh, and also some people thought that the Original. Posing, yes, yes, they read into that. Yeah, they weren't in yes. full tabloid mode at that point. The Human Five Gang. <laughs> They're on the run. Uh, some also thought that this was voodoo-related because of the way the bodies were posed. So rumours started going around mm. and rumours were that Clementine was the leader of some court of some sort of cult called... The Church of Sacrifice. That's better. I like that. Yeah. The Lafayette Parish Sheriff, Louis Lacoste, was suspicious of both of the Barnabé kids, so he arrested them. They had pretty bad reputations around town. Their neighbours called them filthy, shifty and degenerate. Hmm. And here's the strange thing. When the police arrived at the Barnabé's home to arrest Raymond, the dad, Mm -hmm. this was back, 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 Blood from the Andros family's murders had been found on Clementine's clothes. She said that her dad had wiped the blood there, but the sheriff didn't believe her. Right. So when Clementine was arrested, police searched the family home. They found a complete suit of woman's clothes in her room, saturated with blood and covered with human brains. 
Zephyrin had an alibi for the night of the murders, but Clementine had none, so she was taken to jail. And when she was there, she I'm confessed annoyed. everything. Why? I'm annoyed. Why? Because you can get away with murder in that time, but she was dumb. Yeah. Who keeps a whole saturated blood set of clothes? Yeah, but she couldn't just pop down to Cotton On and get a new outfit. They only had a certain number. She obviously hadn't got around to washing them again. That's true. Mm. Or trophies. You know, killers mm. often keep things, don't they? Uh, when she was in jail, she confessed to everything. She admitted to 17 murders and she said she had disguised herself as a man to better lurk unnoticed at night because obviously women weren't allowed to go out at night. Uh, she said that she killed the children because she didn't want them to be orphans. Her motive for killing the adults was never established, so her reasoning is pretty flawed. Like, don't kill the parents if you don't want the kids to be orphans. That's how how to do it. Don't kill the parents and then go, oh, those poor little things are going to be orphans now. I'll kill them too. Kill them too. Yeah. No problem. So it appeared there was no human five gang. She had acted alone. Her confession was published in full in the Lafayette Advertiser on April the 5th, 1912. Uh, Nobody knew if she was telling the truth because she had a terrible track record of lying, obviously standing up in court and saying, yeah, my father did the murders. Yes. She's not too – she can't be trusted. The district attorney, Howard E. Bruner, thought that some of the murders were copycat crimes, but he called Clementine a moral pervert. She, and I know you always want to go back to necrophilia, so I'll give you this little gem. Let me know. She admitted to, inverted commas, caressing the corpses after she'd killed them. Clementine was eventually charged with murder on, with murder, Murder. Thank you. April 14th, 1912. And while she was in jail, she confessed to a total of 35 murders. Wow. How does she remember them all? The details of her stories kept changing, so no one knew she was telling the truth. Her defence attorneys claimed she was insane, but she stood trial. She was sentenced to life at Louisiana Penitentiary at the age of 19. She tried to escape on July 31, 1913, but she was caught the same day. She wasn't very good at that. Uh, While she was in jail, she was given a procedure that was said to have restored her to normal condition. Good. What did that involve? You don't know. I'm not sure. And guess what they did? What? They killed her? No, they let her out. What? They let her out. Because they fixed her? They fixed her. (gasps) Good. She served 10 years. Good. And Mm. then? That's it. What happened to her? Well, I don't know if she did any more. I don't know. I don't know what happened to her after that. Maybe she did more. I don't know. And that is the story. Clementine Barnabé for Matthew. I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. She freaking went out there and she murdered another 34 Stick to people. The facts, please, Khan. And she was crazy. There's, it's so long ago, no one can fact check what, no. what I'm saying. No. And she killed a lot of people and then she was caught eating brains one day. And You're making this up. Stop it. Just do your story. Oh, okay. What have you got today? Okay, I am doing the story of the body in the bin. Similar to my last story, it's a love triangle. Because mm-hmm. I love a love triangle that ends in murder. Oh, just worry about Nico all the time. No, I only have love eyes for him, though. Okay. Yeah. And I wouldn't murder him. He would have to be the person that murdered someone in the love triangle. Okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that would, of course, that would happen because they'd be fighting over me. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Love Triangle, of course, three points. Jason Considine is one of them, mm-hmm. Natasha Hogan and Ashley Phillips. Now, Jason and Natasha are in a relationship, have been together for a number of years. Mm-hmm. 
she has a child. She first gave birth at the age of 18. Jason did some jail time, but he was released and they remained together. Mm -hmm. Their relationship was described as being toxic and Jason was violent at times. Witnesses or their friends say they saw him both punch and slap her. So, Yeah, horrible. Mm. Really horrible. In 2015, uh, Natasha met Ashley Phillips on Facebook. And at the time they met, Jason was in jail. Soon after they met, they began having sex, but that ended in April 2016. But uh, Natasha and Ashley kept talking online. Uh, In August 2016, Jason was released from jail and Jason and Natasha moved in together into Mm -hmm. a home in Pasco Vale. Now, Natasha told Jason, she admitted to him that she had cheated, but she didn't tell him specifically about Ashley, just said, right. I've cheated. Can I just give some general life advice? Oh, please. Firstly, I'm, I'm not suggesting to anyone that you have an affair. Okay. Or that you cheat on someone. Sure. But if you do, yes, have the integrity to keep it to yourself. Oh, you're not t- admitting? There's no point in telling your partner, oh, you've done a bad thing. Stay together though. Well, no, maybe consider leaving mm. them if you if you want to be controversial the advice. Well, I just what? think. Well, if someone has an affair, if they then go and tell their partner, "Look, I've slept with someone else," what does it do? All it does is dump. See, they only do it to try and. I'll rip, tell you what it does. They try and Murder. rid themselves of that. Well, that's right. <laughs> but all it does is they're trying to rid themselves of the guilt. Oh, look how good I am! I'm telling you about it. Right. I'm confessing. I'm such a. But I'm sometimes I clean. think it's the outside forces that force people but to there's tell. There's nothing to be gained from telling the the innocent one. We'll call them. Sure. If someone's been having an affair, oh, can I tell you a quick affair story? I, I don't do it. But people do it, so if you're doing it, keep it to yourself. I'll tell Just you a quick, quick cheaty story. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it was like high school, I reckon. So it's not an affair, but it's a cheaty story. Mm. Um, I start a new job in retail, mm. and uh, this girl that works there is just like crapping on about this guy and how much she like loves him, and they've been out on a couple of dates, and blah, blah, blah. But he has a girlfriend. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then she mm-hmm. says his name and girlfriend's name, and it is my best friend. No. Yeah, yeah. That's a hard one. So what do I you do? I rang him. Oh, yeah. I just got on the phone to him. Yeah. And I was like, hey, so I've just started this new job and blah, blah, blah. He's like, why is she telling me this? And I was like, and I'm working with yep. so-and-so. Yep. And there was nothing on the other end of the phone. Yeah. And I said, you're going to tell her. You were going to tell her. But why? Why because, should you tell her? Because he was, he was being a dog. Yeah, but he has to stop it. He doesn't have to tell her because in telling what? her. What? No, 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 no. So he needs to leave her. He needs to stop doing it. And and leave her, and yeah. you give him those eyeballs, like yeah. the ones you give me, like yeah. don't you fuck with me, yeah. those ones. But in telling her, all that's going to do is break her heart. This is so controversial of you. I know, okay, it I, is, I know but what you're saying. The, she's but they not broke getting up. anything. They broke up. Exactly. Yeah. So she's not getting anything. But from then out I couldn't. Telling her. But then I couldn't be her best friend and not tell her. 
So she was always going to have to That's, find out. I'm not sure what my ruling is Because I am that. in a conundrum as a best friend who knows my best friend's being cheated on. So I was always going to either have to tell her oh, or tell him. I think you start with the Cheaty McCheatster. That's what I did. And tell them, I know what you've done. You do that again, I will cut your no, dick off. I could never live knowing that. Imagine that on their wedding day and I'm there like, I could never live without her. You have a think about it. Mm. I'm going to continue the story. Okay. We'll check Look, back there, in at the end. There are grey areas. Well, that is a general we'll, rule. We'll check back in. Right. Anyway, so Natasha, that was a big circle we went through. Yeah. So Natasha tells Jason, I've been a cheaty. I've been happily married for since. Well, I we will never know. When I got married, but anyway. You will never tell, years. so we'll <laughs> never know. Um, she tells Jason, I've cheated, but she doesn't specifically tell him that it was with Ashley. Right. However, he finds out because he goes through her phone. Uh, mm. Oh, don't do that. That's rude. Yeah, do I know. So that, him going through her phone, led Natasha to stop her contact with Ashley. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the pair being Jason and Natasha later moved house. They moved to Preston uh, in Melbourne. But in March 2017, she began talking to Ashley again. Mm-hmm. At this point, Natasha has a bright idea. Uh-oh, which I'm, I'm going to guess is not bright because nobody sounds bright in this story so far. So she has this idea yep. that she wants to have sex with Ashley, mm-hmm. but if she does it as a threesome with Jason, not cheating. Yeah, see, I'm, uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't handle the three thing. I just think it's too, there's too it's much scope lot. for jealousy. It's a lot. Yep. Um, so she suggests... What are you laughing for, Kirsten? What do you get up to in your spare time? <laughs> she suggests the bright idea yep. uh, to Jason yep. and he agrees. On yeah. the, what? Oh, that's interesting. So so bloke agrees to another bloke jumping in. Yeah. That's unusual. But yeah. He, I think there was some discussion around that point about Ashley bringing someone else. I would imagine most black, yeah. red-blooded males would want Bring two women there. Yeah. So on the 25th <laughs> of May 2017, yeah. uh, Natasha messages Ashley the following text message. Hey, dude, sorry, been busy. If you want to come around and you'd like to bring another chick who wants some fun, you will be joined by my fiancé too because I won't be cheating on him no longer. And when she says fun, she's not talking about they're not playing like cards or anything. They they? ain't playing cards. Okay. Okay. So between uh, 5.34 p.m. and 1.26 a.m., Natasha and Ashley exchanged 96 text messages. That's a lot. Yeah, really getting into it. Or were they those little, you know, millennial ones? I know ones, what these K, text messages are because they were read out in court. Oh, okay. Were I some of them not, emojis? They were so crazy. Was it like when Siri it reads like, it, smiley face? It was like, <laughs> I want you to do this to me and then oh, I'm going to do that to you. Oh, and no. It's Get so weird sausage in when, me. You hear the, when you hear a judge <laughs> read it out. Stick it's it in so, box. And you can imagine, yes. like, Words aren't written in proper English, and so it I've was, got a hot throbbing boner for you. I actually did they show photos? No, but were during this, st- I remember forwarding my notes to people, being like, <laughs> "Read this, whoa, whoa, read this crazy stuff." But just imagine what that conversation would oh, be. We were texting during this. 
Was I? Was yes. I telling you? Yes, I, I don't think losing it in court. I don't think I saw the messages, but I must have texted you about something different because I can remember you going, "Oh my god, you can't believe the text messages!" On okay, go it on. was crazy. <laughs> anyway, after this, Ashley arrives at uh, Jason and Natasha's Preston home, and. Um, I've literally written here. I cannot even read that shit out aloud. Anyway, so um, Natasha is having sex with Jason. Yep. At the same time, she's texting Ashley. Yes. About when he can join in. Oh. Yeah. Might have not sure how that all works logistically, but that's what was happening. Now, uh, they move to the lounge room to join Ashley, but Jason decides to stay in the bedroom. Hogan filmed some of this on her mobile phone. Oh, God. Um, the last bit of footage depicts them in the lounge room at 1.44am. What are they? Are they all completely naked? They or didn't play that vision. <laughs> I did not see that vision, but it obviously formed evidence. Uh, sometime after this, Jason decides he's pretty jealous. He comes out into the lounge room and in a fit of rage, he attacks Ashley causing uh, he ends up with a laceration in his head um, and he's put on the floor and he's strangled until he stops breathing. Oh, hmm. dear. After all of this, uh, Jason leaves the house, pops down the road, grabs the wheelie bin and brings it inside. Natasha and um, Jason put Ashley in the bin. That's so horrible. It's one How? thing to kill someone, but Why? to then treat the body with such lack of respect. And just the thought, like, I'll just, oh, I'll just go down the street, grab the bin. Like you're rubbish. And it's, we're, oh, it's horrible. And she just helps put the body in there. Um, and then Jason uh, wheels the bin down the street to someone else's house and leaves it out the front. They... Natasha and Jason then just go to bed. Oh, my God. A few days later, a neighbour noticed this bin on his front lawn and he looked inside the bin, but they had put stuff on top of the body. So he's looked inside the bin and he doesn't see anything unusual. So Mm. he rings the council and says, hey, there's this bin. (gasps) It's got nothing to do with me. Can you just come and collect it? Yeah. Which they did. Now, in garbage bins... In Mel- I'm sure it's probably everywhere, but there is a uh, camera in the back so the driver can see what's being tipped in. Okay. Yeah. So they come, pick up this um, bin, chuck it into the back, and the driver sees a body. <gasps> He's hit the emergency stop button because obviously otherwise it will get compacted. Crushed. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Uh, he got out and looked into the into the actual oh, the bin, and he saw all the blood at the bottom of the, the oh, wheelie bin. So he's called Triple O. I actually feel sick. Yeah, and so when we covered this story, we actually um, we put a chopper up, mm. and we could see inside the bin. Oof, yeah, we could dear. never ever obviously show those aerials, but yeah, we could see it. Um, police climbed in when they arrived and confirmed that there was a body in there, but mm. they couldn't work out who it was. So what they did was they took uh, Ashley's clothing that he was wearing and they released an image of a T-shirt. He was wearing quite a um, distinctive T-shirt. And off the top of my head, this could be wrong, I believe it had some sort of like anime. There was something on it that was quite distinctive. Right. 
his mother was watching the news and she recognised that T-shirt immediately mm. and she hadn't been in contact with him and she identified him. Uh, Natasha and Jason were arrested. Mm. She told police that Ashley left on his own accord and couldn't say how he ended up in the bin. Wow. That's what she went with. Uh, she told police that she knew Jason well enough to know that he wasn't a killer. Mm. Uh, on the 2nd of June 2017, she was rearrested. She was taken into the city and uh, interviewed again. At that point, she admitted that she had, um, that he had been killed inside the Preston home. Mm-hmm. And after the three of them had sex, she went into the bathroom and she says that's when Jason hit Ashley. Mm-hmm. So she admitted that she helped lift uh, Ashley into the bin and she cleaned up the blood. She said that she knew that uh, Jason had been strangling Ashley on and off for 30 seconds at a time until he died. Mm. Um, she agreed to participate in a reenactment and she showed police exactly how she how he was killed and how she held the bin while Jason put the body in. Jason Considine pleaded guilty to murder. Um, he was given 21 years for that murder. And Natasha, who had been in jail for just over a year, because she was obviously in jail from the time she was arrested until, right. Right, until yep. she walked on time served. Oh, goodness. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Don't root around. It doesn't end well. The end. Love triangle, Avella. I have other love triangle stories. I should do them. They're not bad. But then we kind of know who the killer is. But I also thought of a children's story I should do. <laughs> yes, that's nice. Yes. Children today, it we're was... going to have, and let's peek inside the bin and see what's in there. Yeah, it's a, I have a children's story I should do. We'll save it for next time. Right, do that. Uh, a little feedback from Samantha. Hello, nice, nice. What? I recently found your podcast. I love it with two exclamation marks. Stop it, Samantha. Stop it. I haven't come upon a dead body, but I have watched someone die. A few years back, I worked in a nursing home. I was cleaning the room of a lady who never had any family come visit her ever. One day I was cleaning her room. She started breathing heavily. I got a nurse and she said, yep, won't be long now, and walked out of the room. The death rattle. Those nurses, they know what's going they on. Know. They know. I just couldn't leave the woman to die there alone, so I held her hand and told her, it's okay, you can go now and be free of pain. She then took her last long, deep breath. I was a little freaked out in that moment. I felt for a pulse and there was none. Anyway, not as exciting as your other dead body stories. Keep up the good work. Sam in South Dakota, US. Um, I have feedback from Charlotte. She says, my mum and I have listened to every episode of Dead Bodies at least twice. With your mum? With her mum. Lovely family I've got my friends at school to listen to it and we absolutely love it. I'm concerned about, oh my, she's 15. What? Yeah, but she's with her mum. Okay. Parental guidance advised. Good on, good on Charlotte's mum for mm-hmm. letting her listen to this. Yeah. Um, my mum has always had a fascination Sorry for true crime. Words. Sorry. That's what I felt bad about. Yeah. Um, and dead bodies. And when we hear about a murder or crime in our area, 
They go scope it out. Yeah, good. That's like like me and my mum. I think it's healthy. She says, one time I was listening to your podcast on my uh, school bus and I forgot to plug in my earphones (laughs) and the intro played really loudly. It took me a couple of seconds of panicking to plug in my earphones, but then the intro had already played. I still laugh about it. Imagine that. Is it, what's her name? Charlotte. Charlotte. This happened to me. There was a meeting, like all the big wigs had come down from head office up in Sydney. And I mean, the meeting was all staff, and I'd be, I'd brought this caught the train is in. Dead bodies. Well, not our pod, but <laughs> I've been listening to a murder pod, and I, for some reason, I don't know why I did it, but I unplugged the headphones oh, from my phone, see? and it bl- started blurting out in the meeting, and everyone looked at me. Mine has done that in court before. I accidentally sent set off my emergency beacon, oh. which is on your phone. <laughs> so if you tap the side button three times, yeah. it starts going. And I'm in court and I set off the emergency (laughs) beacon and I didn't know. My phone was like having a fit and I set it off and the magistrate just listened and she goes, whose phone is that? And I was like, I'm sorry, Your Honor, I don't know what I've done. I don't know how to turn it off. And I was just dying. But poor Charlotte has had This Is Dead Bodies exploding out of her phone. (laughs) She says, every Monday I wait impatiently for the next episode and willingly want to catch the bus home so I can listen to your pod. Can't wait for the next episode, Charlotte. Well, Charlotte, you are a cutie patootie. Mm-hmm. You're gorgeous love and love that. to mum as well. I'm so sorry about our bad language and terrible yeah, all of that. necrophilia and terrible, wanking that. stories that Anything I've exposed you to. But it's life. <laughs> what can I say? It is life. That's and the real knowledge world. is power. See, we talk about the very worst of humans, so we all know what yeah. kind of shit can go on. And if you want to talk about the very worst of humans... Don't point. I don't know the email address because I don't check the email. Deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Yay! Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.